Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. We're going to have a great show today. Our guest, Dr. Mitch Hiscox, and we're going to talk about something that you uh, are familiar with if you're in the beef industry and you have cow-calf. We're going to talk about uterine prolapses. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great show. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson and I'm here with Dr. Mitch Hiscox. And Dr. Hiscox is a clinical professor here at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine, which we're both alumni of. So <laughs> it's uh, great to have you here on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm yeah. a big fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we have a lot of fun. And uh, Dr. Hiscox brings so much experience and, and energy uh, to Iowa State. He is, uh, he's been in veterinary practice, how many years? In 30. 30, 30 years, years in yeah. veterinary practice. Yeah. And then, you know, I can just tell you from, as a former student and a colleague, when you have somebody that'll, that'll come back out of practice to teach students, there's yeah. so much uh, respect and just very thankful that someone would, would do that to share right. with, with these, these, these future professionals. It's a two-way street. I get a lot of energy from these, these fourth-year students. It's, there's a good crop. The veterinary profession's in good hands. There's some good, <laughs> good folks coming up through the ranks. So you bet. It's fun to be here. You bet. So you're with the field services and the, and the large animal hospital here right. and, and also um, with the, the Department of Veterinary Diagnostic and Production Animal Medicine. Correct. So uh, lots of experts here. This is one of those people that if you call and you're in the area, you would come out and you'd be bringing students and you're teaching and seeing yes. animals and seeing calls. We have roughly a 30 mile radius and yeah, we bring senior students, fourth year students with us out and do regular field uh, mixed animal practice because we're mainly the food animal side of it. But right. We also have an equine division. Probably a lot of haul-in too. Yeah, into the hospital. Yeah. Yep, yep. So and that I, probably comes from all over. Yeah. We have a facility five miles south of town that you can haul into, but our main goal is we uh, we help our local practitioners. We don't compete with any local practitioners, right. but if there's a need and then they don't have a practitioner, then we're more than happy to serve them. So you bet. Well, it's uh, it's just continued to grow and continue to get better, and uh, awfully proud of Iowa State University. Um, we're going to talk about something that we don't like to see very often. Right. <laughs> That's a, a uterine prolapse, and uh, you know, just kind of kickstart us off what it is. And right, it's know. a it's a five alarm fire. It's yeah. a true veterinary emergency. It's right immediately after calving, or it can be up to you know several hours after calving. But it's the organ that that held the calf, the sixty to eighty pound calf, all the fluids, all the placenta that has now made its way through the birth canal, everted outside, and it's hanging down to her hocks or possibly the ground, and you're looking at the caruncles or the attachments of the fetal membranes, and there's a lot of blood out there, and there's, uh, so it's a veterinary emergency. There's two large uterine arteries that are hanging down with that to the hocks or ground, and there's a tremendous amount of pressure on there, so it can, uh, it can go south really fast, so it needs to be addressed in a hurry. But so, what's the main reason why this happens? It takes a, it takes an exhausted uterus, and it takes pushing. So, you know, if we let it go too long, or possibly, 
were scratched, scraped, you know, uh, abraded the birth canal, that will make her strain more. So she has the calf and she continues to strain. And if that, if that organ is uh, tired enough, flaccid enough, it can push that out, out of the birth canal. And so it's, it's an exhaustion thing and it's an irritation thing. So a tough pull. Absolutely. Can, could a lead tough to... pull without enough lubrication or just a tough pull with just a trauma to the birth canal. That'll make her continue to push after the, the, the calf is on the ground. I've also learned the hard way of pulling a calf in a squeeze chute and leaving the squeeze on. And after you get the calf out, you turn around and... Yes, you've just connected the calf with the birth canal and you've, <laughs> you've pulled both. So yeah. Yeah, that can happen. A lot of wisdom in that last uh, minute there. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to do more on uterine prolapse with Dr. Mitch Hiscox. You're watching Doc Talk. We're sure glad you joined us. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Mitch Hiscox, and we're at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine, where Dr. Hiscox serves as a clinical professor in ambulatory services, field services, and the large animal hospital. He's also a member of the Veterinary Diagnostic and Production Animal Medicine Department. Uh, we're talking about uterine prolapses. So now you walk out, there she is. All right. <laughs> What do we do and what do we not do uh, well, when we come across a uterine prolapse? Time is of the essence, so the first thing I would call my veterinary practitioner to get, get them on the way and get on their radar because it, it needs to be done soon. And so when you call for help, and then I don't know where she's at, but you know, get her to a, a clean, well-bedded area where you can work on her. Perhaps she's down and she just, you know, if you can't get her up, you can't get her up. But, you don't want to run her. Um, you don't want to stretch those uterine arteries any more than you have to, but it, uh, depending on where she's laying, I mean, if you can put a, a clean garbage bag, if she's down and can't get up, put a clean garbage bag underneath the uterus so it doesn't get further contaminated. Um, I guess just be quiet around her and, and move her to your facility where we can work on it, or, or if she's down, um, cover that thing up put a garbage, under, garbage bag underneath it, or you could even take a big garbage bag and the whole thing's in the garbage bag waiting for the veterinary to show up. Yep. Keep it clean and moist. And, and I think the one thing you, you, know, you mentioned, don't run her. Um, there's a pretty important reason why we don't want her. Right, bouncing those uterine arteries. Yeah, because they, they can go over the hill and the uterus yeah, go one way and the cow go the other. Right. Just like if you get them in a alley system and there's backstops or backup bars or something, you know, she's in there and all of a sudden she backs up into the backstop or the backup bar, then you've created a lot of trauma, you know, perhaps torn or ripped it. Or if you're, if you're not moving her slow enough and she's in a pen, she can swing that uterus around and catch it on the gate or a post or, and there's, there's a lot of stories over the years about things like that, jumping a fence with a uterine prolapse, not gonna work out no. very well. Well, and what happens? I mean, if they, those uterine arteries yeah. are huge. She will go hypo, she'll bleed out. She'll bleed to death right. in short order. Those are garden hose sized uterine arteries. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna make sure she's, uh, we get her down or get her into quiet, keep her quiet, cover that uterus up, but most importantly, get your vet on the way, right? Right. I mean, hours matter, matter here because it, the longer it's out, the blood's pumping into it and can't return, so it's getting more edematous, swollen. Uh, it's drying out. It's probably getting dirtier. It's got bedding and manure and everything all over it, and 
the longer it's out, the it's, it's studies have been done. I mean, the longer it's out, the the less our prognosis, the worse our prognosis will be. So we need she needs help pretty fast. And like I say, keeping it moist and maybe you know stick it in that garbage bag if she'll stand stand for it, or if she's down, protect it from the ground or the bedding or the the dirt. So, in a nutshell, call your vet. Call your vet and quietly, gently move her to where she can be worked on or, or restrained with either in a head gate or in a halter. You know, knowing that that exposed organ is very f fragile, we need to move slow and don't let her knock that against anything and keep it clean and wait for help. Perfect. So that's what to do and what not to do. When we come back, Dr. Hiscox is going to talk to us about what we're going to do to get that thing back in the cow and get her back to normal. You're watching Doc Talk. We're sure glad you joined us. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Mitch Hiscox, and we're at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Hiscox is a clinical professor here in the veterinary production and uh, veterinary diagnostic and production animal medicine uh, department. He works with field services and also the Food Animal Hospital. We're talking about uterine prolapses, and it's not something that that uh, is for the weak to no. to fix. No, is it? I've never weighed a uterus, but I imagine it's <laughs> oh, 50 pounds. Oh yeah, it's. It's heavy, sloggy. I just always remember just uh, when I was a kid with dad and grandpa being vets, my job was to hold the towel on one side and hold it up while right. he washed it off yep. and cleaned it and all that. Yeah, and so, that's isometrics. You yeah. gotta hold that for that long. It's <laughs> but uh, talk to us a little bit about what you're gonna do to put that uterus back in the, in the cow. Well, hopefully if she's in a head gate or on the end of a halter, I mean, then we, we would give an epidural first so to minimize the straining. Um, then we'd clean it up using you know water and maybe mild disinfectant like a chlorhexidine or something, wash it up, get all the particles and the bedding off of there. And if there's loose uh, placenta, we'd take that off of there. And then we'd, uh, if she's down, if she's standing, that's one thing. We would have somebody with a sheet or a garbage bag or something that they make fiberglass trays, but to hold that uterus up even with the even with the pelvis, so you're not trying to replace it up here. Right. You get even or a little higher. If she's down, then you would uh, have her on her sternum and pull both back legs behind her, and they call that frog legging, and that that makes her pelvis tilt forward, and yep. that makes it easier too to replace. But once you've got her in position, you've got an epidural going, and it's clean. Then you lube up next to the next to the cow where it's all started. With that's her cervix is right next to the the vulva. Yep. You kind of you've got it all up high and you start in a circular fashion, and you can poke your hole through the uterus wall. So I mean you want to use flat hands or fists, and you start replacing it in a cir you know around the circle. Get it in there and you'll get it down to about a basketball that doesn't want to go. And maybe you'll find the end of that inverted. Uh, horn that was gravid and you kind of go in the middle and it's like rolling your socks. You roll the last thing out as the first thing in, you roll it back in. And once it's in, then you have to make sure that the horns are all the way back everted. So if your arm's long enough, you can do that. Or, you know, some people talk about a clean wine bottle or even a, <laughs> a clean wiffle ball it. bat yeah. or something to get those horns back <laughs> everted. Or yeah, my back grandpa in, carried a, a, a wine bottle yeah. and uh, and uh, you use the big end 
um, don't use the, oh. <laughs> yeah. you'll poke a hole. Uh, right. Going Very through the, fragile material. You, you know, and, um, but you'll, you'll learn pretty quick that gravity is your friend. Yes. On doing all these. Yeah, because she just strains just a little bit and all of your work comes right back out at you and you have to start over again. So, yeah. so frogging them, uh, getting them pointed downhill. Yep. Different things of that nature. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've seen people too to prevent from putting uh, holes, actually wear oven mitts. That's a great idea. Because uh -huh. you, yeah. You, wear it, oven mitts to, to reduce yep. that. That's a great idea. I have never heard of that, but I know if you get too too aggressive, you will create a tear, and then you probably better fix that tear. You know. <laughs> well, okay. these are these are things that um, you know are pretty common, pretty every day, um, but so important for us as producers and veterinarians to to get a handle on and understand. Right. And so, let's take a break. When we come back. Maybe we talk about how we can try to do some things to prevent it. You're watching Doc Talk. We're here with Dr. Mitch Hiscox at Iowa State University. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Mitch Hiscox. We're here at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine, where Dr. Hiscox serves as a clinical professor in the field services and in, in the uh, food animal hospital. He's also a member of the uh, Veterinary Diagnostic and Production animal medicine department here in the College of Veterinary Medicine. And it's just been a great show. Been, yeah, it's uh, been, it's been a lot fun. of fun and, and that, but is there anything people can do to prevent that cow from spitting at uterus well, out? I would say overall in a normal year, it's you know half a percent or 1% of cows are probably gonna do it. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the key is to not let her get exhausted. So early intervention, if you see a cow having trouble, you know, check it out. And if you're going to pull a calf, I mean, a lot of lubrication, be gentle, um, have your cows in decent condition, like moderate condition. Those skinny, skinny, weak cows seem like they'll, they'll throw their uterus more than anything. Um, calcium, they talk about calcium in the dairy world and probably in the beef world too, that lack of calcium, she has, she's weaker and then that, that toned up uterus will turn into a more like a bag instead of a basketball, you know, so she can throw that bag out you know well, yeah, so. and they have that calcium suck because of that the they go into lactation and right and so, so the combination of everything yep. going on at that time but uh, yeah I think you make a good point on just don't let those cows get exhausted and and they don't get them ir super irritated to, right uh, you know when when do you want someone to call you uh, as far as like pulling a calf because I, I've gotten out there where someone's tried for an hour right. and now we've got edema in the birth canal and and we've got a lot of yeah. stuff going on I guess when you see her with her water bag out I mean something she needs to advance in an hour if, if the feet aren't out further than they were an hour ago you better investigate and if you investigate and you know there's a head back something you're not comfortable with call it's it's proven time and time again that early intervention early gentle knowledgeable intervention will be much greater success for the cow and the calf and rebreeding. So I, w I would say if in doubt, call the vet, you know, what, if you haven't seen advancement in an hour. What are some of the prognosis then for these cows that have a prolapse uter? Should, should we call these cows or? Not necessarily. Okay. If, it's, if it was fresh and you got it in within hours and you feel like it was clean and it went in, um, I mean, they'll, they will breed back and they might be 
10% slower or, you know, it might be 10 days. I think, it, I think it's 10 days longer to rebreed or something. But if it's fresh and you got on it right away, uh, you can keep them. We're a, a different topic. The vaginal pre-calving uh, prolapse, that's different. If she does that, then she may do it again. You know, with this uterine prolapse, that's just she got caught overly tired. She got in a, you know, the calf was out of position or too big or whatever, and she got herself exhausted or she got irritated on that calf by us being too aggressive pulling, perhaps. Well, this has been an awesome show. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. You're very busy with your veterinary practice and teaching, and, and to take time to be here means oh. a lot to us. Oh, it's a great, great time. Thank you for in inviting me. You bet. Well, we'll have Dr. Hiscox back for sure. Thanks for watching today, folks. Remember, always work with your local veterinarian. And if you want to find out more about what we do here at DocTalk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Mitch Hiscox. We're at Iowa State University, and we'll see you down the road. Closed captioning is brought to you by Profusion Drench for Beef Cattle, a no prescription, no needle supplement. To learn more, go to zenpro.com. Doc Talk was brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals.